All right, we are now recording, and this is the <laughs> the, the G and T sessions. Gerda and Tess, uh, the everything that shits us about being in business, but one thing that we really love, uh, one thing that we really love. And today we're talking about marketing because I ran into something on Facebook um, this morning. I think it was this morning from about a year ago. A comment that somebody had posted. Uh, somewhere else on the internet um, and this belief it sort of stirred up this this um, thinking about this belief that a lot of people have especially in mental health professions that we're not allowed to do marketing we're not allowed to market our practice we're not allowed to advertise and I think it feeds into these ideas around what marketing in inverted commas means and what advertising in inverted commas means um, so we thought we might talk about that a little bit today because Gerda and I do the odd bit of marketing. We do. We most certainly do. And mm. I mean, on the one hand, my brain thinks, you know, it's almost 2020. Surely people know by now that it's okay to market your practice. But I keep on being surprised time and time again that there is still a lot of people, a lot of mental health professionals, allied health professionals out there that for some reason or another, sometimes very much fear um, or yep. being scared or not knowing, just not knowing what the rules and everything is around it and then feel that they aren't allowed to market their practice. And I often wonder whether a lot of that is also when people, they say marketing, but when they process marketing in their head, they, they're thinking like selling, I'm selling yep. myself. Yeah, I'm out there like, you know, like a vendor knocking on doors and stuff and selling myself. And that's not what marketing is. It's a completely no. different function. It is. And it's like this idea that it has to be competitive as well. And, and certainly in the psychology profession, but lots of health professions, you're not allowed to competitively market. You're not allowed to say that you're better than anybody else. You're not allowed to guarantee treatment outcomes. You're not allowed to induce people to participate in therapies they don't need, you know, all that sort of stuff. And that makes sense. Like, that's like an ethical thing. That's an ethical and moral imperative there. You know, we do the work we do because we want to help the people who need the help. Um, but when we're in private practice, we're also running a business. And I have said to my mentoring clients in the past, and I've talked about this, I think, before publicly, the idea that the dirty little secret in our industry is that we're, as private business owners but also as health professionals we're actually in the business of sales because we are selling our time we're selling appointments we're selling you know the notion of bums on seats so to speak to put it crudely but that doesn't mean that we can't do that ethically and so the marketing that we do is about letting people know we exist letting people know what we do letting people know how we can help them specifically mm -hmm. i think that's very different to that idea of the used car salesman who's competitively selling something or, you know, the person who's selling something dodgy that you don't need, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. so it really comes down to, you know, I guess reframing marketing, that uh, it is you communicating how you can yep. help. Because you can yep. only do the work that you've trained so long and hard for by telling people, hey, I'm here, right? I've opened yep. my door. 
because I've got appointments available uh, and I can definitely tell you as a group practice owner uh, who has a fully booked practice, I would love to know who is out there in the community, even as a fellow psychologist, that we can send clients to because yep. the need is just so great, right? Yep. So you have to tell people that you're there or you just can't do the work. And, um, you know, and I, I totally understand why there's all these rules and regulations. Um, and it's just about knowing the rules and regulations, knowing exactly what it means, not making it bigger than what it is. Mm. Because we do have to protect um, our clients. We, we work with a lot of vulnerable people in the mental health industry. So that's why the rules are there, whether we like it or not. Um, yeah. And it just means that we still need to talk and just be very clear about how we can help. And that's what it is about at the end of the day. And if you think about it, you know, even NGOs and charities, they do marketing, <laughs> right? In order to tell people, we are here, this is what we do. You know, we can help you. So it's so, so important for us uh, to do that. Um, the rules doesn't need to be different for us just because we need to pay our own way and we don't get funding. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, that that's exactly right. You know, we we there's the two hats. So I know a lot of universities will give messages to you know psychology and other students that well, you can't be a, you can't be for the client. So be client centred and treatment focused, and also be business minded. And that's actually wrong. <laughs> it's actually wrong, and it makes me so cross um, because you have to be business-minded if you are running a private practice because you are obliged to pay your bills it's a legal imperative you're obliged to pay your staff it's a legal imperative uh, you need to keep your doors open or else you help nobody so if you're not business-minded and client-centered you're not going to run a successful private practice and you should go work somewhere else. You should go get a job, let somebody else pay you to just be client-centred, that's fine. But to tell people that they can't or to tell people that it's wrong to aim to be both is, is unhelpful and it's actually quite damaging, I think, to the profession um, because then we have so many, like you and I have talked about this a lot, that we don't get trained at university in how to run a private practice we have to we all as private practice owners have to figure that out for ourselves and so all these misbeliefs and myths around well you're not allowed to market you've just got to somehow eke your way along and you need to treat yourself like a charity and not charge enough money and all of these sorts of things you know these myths and just they absolutely. really shit me <laughs> totally agree totally agree oh my goodness um yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's it's really irres, irresponsible of especially if it's a university saying those type of things to yeah. a cohort yeah. of students who they're meant to empower and send out into the industry right because if you think yeah. about it you know private practice is there for a reason we've got a very important role to play in 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 filling this gap in the market because we yeah. all know that Public mental health can only help so many people, okay? Yeah. And then, oh, it, and, and we know if you've ever tried to refer somebody to the into the public system, somebody that's really need, uh, uh, got severe symptoms that really, really needs like full-on support, it's really hard to even get them a place, right? Mm. And then we've mm. got NGOs um, that has funding, but they can only see so many people. So if that's we it. went there, where does the rest of the community go, right? 
we play such an important role. And, and if we do not tell people we're here, hey, hello, through marketing, and if we do not run our practices as a business that allows us to keep our doors open, we will cease to exist. And, you know, there's already a shortage in private practice. If, if we went there, I don't know what would happen, right? That could yeah. be an absolute disaster. So yeah. it's really about owning our place in, in the whole market in terms of going, you know, public is there. And if you only want to be client-centered and if that is a good fit for you, that, then that's where you need to work. And if you want to work with an NGO and that's more values aligned, then that's what you do, you know? And we all make those decisions based on our values, based on how we yeah. operate, based on our personality, right? And for me, that's private practice. I like it. It's mm -hmm. fast-paced. It's diverse. I, I've got so much freedom and choice in how I work with my clients and who I take on. And, you know, I, you know me, I can talk forever about what I love about private practice. Um, and it's really for us to own that role that we play and own it proudly. And when people mm -hmm. say, like that to tell them well actually I disagree and that's okay but I realized that when you're a student at university or you're a brand new graduate sometimes that's hard to do because you know yeah it is hard I, I think that there's you know there's a there's an added burden on um the university students as they're graduating to get enough experience and they come out getting fearful of losing skills and I remember feeling like that that if I niche too early if I you know specialize for one of a better word because we're not allowed to use that word uh too early then I'm going to lose skill in all these other areas and I do remember feeling that fear myself um and I know that university students are often discouraged from going into private practice too soon I think where the wisdom in that sits is when new graduates are thinking about going into solo practice on their own in a space by themselves with no one else around them. Please don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. It terrifies me when I think of new graduates going into that, that cocoon and not having enough day-to-day -day support, but to be in a group practice like yours or mine or some of the other practices that have team have well-established places in the community have really good referral networks have really good relationships with a number of organizations the diversity in client presentation and again part of our marketing is to get our message out to new graduates and to people who might want to join our team of the kind of diversity that can be experienced in private practice you know there's this assumption of course that private practice is the worried well um, you know we have uh, as a practice we've shifted our focus over the years now we don't do as much medicare related work as we used to we do a lot of work um, in um, a, a wide range of areas that aren't necessarily reliant on gps referring people to us for the stereotypical anxiety and depression um, and that's exciting when you new people f hear what it is that we do they're actually quite excited by that the diversity you know the, the the all the age ranges and forensic and clinical and all sorts of different fields of practice so your marketing your practice isn't just about selling the bumps on seats to put it very crudely but that's really what the sales related to marketing in, in a private practice is all about it's also about selling your mission so that you can recruit people into your mission 
yeah. you know, I mean, I think, I think about those amazing posters, you know, the, you know, the old Uncle Sam posters, mm-hmm. you know, we want you. Yeah, yeah, that was such an amazing campaign to recruit people to a mission, forget the politics behind it all, but, and that's kind of what we're trying to do is let people know what we do and how passionate we are about it. And mm-hmm. hopefully somebody else will recognize themselves in that mission and want to join us. The same is for, the same is for clients, right? Yeah, it, exactly. Right. Because, because again, when people think marketing, um, they might only be thinking I'm doing this because I want a referral, but that's yeah. also the right way to do it. By, by yeah. doing marketing and, and talking about your message, talking about your vision, about how you know, passionate you are about reducing the stigma around mental health. Okay, it's school holidays. <laughs> Very cute. Now say hello. <laughs> See you later, Mr. Black Tongue. <laughs> and close the door. <laughs> I'll have a visit from one of mine, no doubt, shortly. They've <laughs> had slushies. Where was uh-huh. I going with this? Oh, yes. Selling the mission, right? Selling the vision, yep. selling the impact you want to have and really yep. becoming comfortable sharing that with the world. You know, yep. like for example, in you, um, when was it when you did a lot of posts and content around the stigma rebellion, right? Yes, Breaking yes, that was, that was a long time ago now. Yeah, yeah right? Yep. Uh, that's such a great example of doing marketing without going send me clients right yeah yeah and marketing about our purpose and our meaning and the reason for being in this industry and i think also when we do that type of marketing that might be a great first step in to doing Mm -hmm. marketing because it's something that's really close to our heart but then again i know that people become fearful of oh, what if I post something and somebody doesn't like it or they judge it or they go, no, you're not, that's not the political correct way to say these things, right? And then they hold back again. It's like, yep. don't do that. Just keep going. Yep. started um, because it actually becomes lots of fun to do marketing. Yeah, 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 that's exactly right. Um, you know, I think, around the time that I was doing the stigma rebellion posts, you know, that was, um, you know, a daily video series. I'm sure there's like a hundred videos in that series. Um, just talking about mental health and mental illness. And at the time that was right at the start of my forays into social media and the thing that clicked with me and the reason why I sort of came up with this idea behind the stigma rebellion was because I was, wondering very early on too you know what does this mean in terms of what we're allowed to do what we're not allowed to do all that silly stuff I was buying into some of that mythology too myself in the early days for me it was about just just flipping the switch and turning it around and say well there is nothing wrong with me educating the community yeah and if I can educate the community I can talk about what is anxiety till I'm blue in the face because I do it every day in my practice. I can talk about what is depression every day. I can talk about what's it like to go and see a psychologist in private practice, all of those things. So the more I talked, then the more, and you've done the same, you know, the more, the more you do it, the more you do these videos or posts or blog articles or whatever it is that you do, the easier it gets and the less caught up in these stories that you're telling yourself about what's allowed, what's right or wrong. Does it matter if I fluff my words? No, it doesn't. Does it matter if I say something wrong? No, it doesn't. Um, 
you know, it's no different to having a conversation with another person or talking on the radio or being interviewed for a newspaper article. It's no different. It's just that it's your, your voice speaking to your audience, whoever that might be. And really trusting that what you have in your head and in your heart and the stuff that you're telling your clients on a daily basis to other people as well. You don't have to research it. You don't have to have references and and stuff like that. It's just about Mm. having a conversation like we are now, that you have even with a client or a friend and, and having it, but having the privilege these days through social media of being able to reach not even hundreds, but thousands and even hundreds and thousands and millions of people to, to mm. do so. And yep. it's actually an amazing opportunity that we yep. have and we would be miss not to make use of it and to spread the word in this way. About I think so. General, and also specifically then, you know, when somebody says mm. uh, they're ready to accept help, uh, to support that help seeking behavior yep. by telling them, well, if you're in this location, my practice is here and I've got, yep. this, I've got people here willing and waiting to help you, um, you know, mm. live the life that you want yep. to live. That's exactly right. I think um, where people sometimes get stuck in their early thinking around that is the fear that I might be talking to millions of people and they feel like bunny in the headlights kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, when you think about talking to one person, it's easy. I'm just talking to you. I'm just talking to that person over there. Um, and I think that for anyone who's nervous about doing this kind of marketing, it's just important to, you only need one person to hear what you're saying and for it to make an impact on them. And you've changed the life of somebody you've never met. Mm. And that's really, really powerful. That's really, really powerful. So, um, you know, this notion that marketing is about selling at the end of the day, yes, you need to run a successful business and that's why you do marketing. But I'm a huge believer as are you in doing as much as you can, that isn't money driven, it's message driven. And it's about, you don't know who else might be listening to what you're saying and go, Oh my God, that's just what I needed to hear today. Whether it's about mental health or whether it's about business ownership or whether it's about whatever it might be about. Um, you just don't know your particular audience will find you. They've got to, they've got to find your, they've got to be able to hear your message before they can find you. And to do that, you've got to get yourself out there. We call it marketing, but it's, as you say, it's communication. Exactly. And Mm. and we mental health professionals and allied health professionals, we generally really skilled at it, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You'd you'd hope so. Use your skills. Just use your skills. Just Just use your skills. You that's it that's all it's complicated yeah Yeah. so I think you know when we're talking about marketing in terms of things like educating the community and like letting potential future team members know we exist and and of course uh you know helping reduce stigma around mental health um and for you and me, it's about helping business owners feel more connected and much less isolated than they might have felt before and, and feel stronger in that. But I know that, you know, in our profession, there's a fear um, of criticism and because it does come. And uh, I get asked a lot. I get people asking me all the time, but what do I do about the haters? You know, people, especially mentoring clients who are just thinking about doing some social media marketing and they're fearful of the haters, 
Um, and I think everybody's scared of trolls, but trolls aren't the ones you need to worry about because they're actually a lot rarer than you think they're going to be. Um, unfortunately, it's members of our own profession who have opinions around social media and around marketing, but more importantly, have opinions about those of us in this profession being visible outside of the consulting room. Um, and it's a very interesting uh, conversation when you come head to head with that opinion. And they and, can be very brutal, I know, because I've had interactions with yeah. them. Like yep. very brutal. Right? Yeah, we both have. And I don't think I don't understand how that gels with the the the, the core notion that one of our one of our core things that we should be doing as a profession is educating the community. Um, you know, so it doesn't gel with that. So it's really important to, I guess, put your fear of those people to one side and say, well, actually, their opinion doesn't mean I'm wrong and their opinion doesn't mean I'm not allowed to do what I'm doing and their opinion doesn't mean that I shouldn't start if I'm thinking about starting, you know, something on social media um, because they're not my audience. I'm not trying to convince them of anything. And you and I, you know, you and I've got experience of that. Um, you know, you can't convince people who don't want to be convinced. So focus on the people who are interested in whatever your message is because um, it can make a difference. You know, what I would tell to people, there was a lot of times when you stand up or you step out of doing the normal stuff yep. that you're meant to be doing or meant not to be doing as a psychologist yeah, uh, people come down on you like a ton of bricks. One of the the things that they love to tell you is, "Oh, that's unethical." Mm. You know, my comeback always is, "Well, you know, just because you don't like it or you disagree with it, doesn't make it unethical, right?" Mm. Because I'm a very ethical clinician. I know the code back to front, and a lot of pe times people term things or judge it as unethical. But when you actually look at the code and you read through all the rules and regulations, it's not even featured in there no. it's just because it's different and you're yeah. doing something new and then people go oh it must be unethical and sometimes i'll go how about you, you go and check the code and tell me which, which clause you think i'm breaking here because yeah. there's nothing in it right yeah. um, and sometimes that shuts them up pretty quickly because a lot of times people make those judgments without having done their research in terms of you know is it okay for me to do this or not and people often have referred to me as I'm a rule breaker, you know, and I always go, I actually don't break a lot of rules. I just know where the line is and I'm not scared to walk up to the line and actually look at it and go, Hey, hello, I'm very close, but I don't step over the line. Right. <laughs> but I'm going to no. make use yep. of every opportunity to spread my message, um, you know, and, and to live my vision and the reason for why I started my practice in order to help more people. Yep. And social media is a brilliant example of being able to do it. Doing marketing is a brilliant way of doing it. And yeah. I follow all the rules to the letter. Nobody knows it better than I do, I can assure you. No, probably there's, there's people that know it better, but I know. <laughs> so I'm very you know it well. I, I do the research so that when people do mm. challenge me, yeah. um, I know that I haven't done anything wrong. Mm. Um, and then, then I, I, I'm good. I think I think that's right and I think you know the fact that people people respond you know generally I, I feel that people are responding um, in loud ways to things either 
because we've done something that they wouldn't feel safe doing themselves. Mm-hmm. And so because it's so far outside their comfort zone, therefore it must be wrong, as you're saying. Or they care about us and they want to keep us safe. And, you know, we've all had examples of people well making well-meaning criticism. Um, and I think we just have to be stronger, no matter what business you're in. But I think especially we understand, especially from the mental health perspective. But uh, a friend of mine's a photographer in Melbourne and she says, you know, it's very similar. Um, she's a photographer, she's a professional photographer, and she talks about how... Um, there's a bit of a ripple whenever a photographer steps from behind the camera in front of it and talks about, you know, this sort of thing in their profession. It's the same thing. You're not meant to be visible. You're meant to stay behind the camera. No one's meant to see your face. So it's, it's, it's an issue that pops up in many different professions. Just because people have an opinion doesn't mean they're right and you're wrong. It's just their opinion. It's just that they don't like it. Would you care so much if they didn't like your hair or you didn't like what you were wearing? Probably not. So the fact that they don't like what you're saying, they're not your audience. Yeah. Let them just move on. Exactly. Let them block and unfollow you if you annoy them that much. It's on them to do that. Yes, exactly. I'm sure a lot yeah. of people have blocked me over the years. Um, interestingly enough, I, I never block, I rarely block other people. Because mm. right. so, I, I always go, you know, just maybe you'll come around, right? Mm. Just maybe if you hear my message enough times. Because I, I, I'm such a strong believer in my message. And so, so <laughs> in it, I rarely block other people. They really need to be, have been very bad in their behavior for me to block them. But I'm sure I've been blocked at times, you know. And it's about doing what you need to do to be comfortable, to keep on showing up. And to yep. keep on having your impact and sharing your message. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. I think consistency. I think authenticity. So authenticity in marketing is a word that's used as a. It's almost like a weaponized word in itself. Like ethics has become a weaponized word, um, and um, it's uh, you know, authenticity is a word that's used too much. But if you are being authentically you because there is only one of you and you are telling your story, your message from a place of integrity and honesty and you are being yourself what's and all. Now that doesn't mean you have to hang out all your dirty laundry. Um, there's a time when it's appropriate to talk about difficult things that you're experiencing in business. Certainly as a business coach, I will talk about difficult things that I experience in business because I want my clients and future clients to recognize that they're not alone when things are difficult. That's not the same as throwing individual people under the bus and, you know, being really nasty and gossipy and bitchy. That's, that's not integrity and that's not authenticity and it's certainly not dignity. When I, think we, I think when we apply those principles to our marketing, we can't go wrong. We can't because we're doing the right thing for the right reason and if other people don't like it, it's on them. It's not on us. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Um... When I was a student at university, one of my favorite lecturers that uh, lectured on person-centered therapy always had this saying, right? Because person-centered therapy, as you would know, it's not very structured. It's not very solutions focused. It's like, am I actually doing something? And she would always go, trust the process. You need to trust the process. 
and you know for me yeah. uh, as a business person i i use that not only with therapy with life in general but also with business and also with marketing that i need to trust the process and that i need to trust that every step that i take along the way is in integrity that i've you know thought it through made the right decision yeah. it's values aligned it's aligned with the aim the mission the goals the vision and then it can't be wrong and again, other people are going to disagree with it, but I'm just going to trust that process as I yeah. move in that direction. And at the end of the day, it will all be okay. And it normally yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It normally is. And I think, yeah, that whole thing about trust, I mean, it's the flip side of really what we're talking about, which is that there's so much fear. Fear around doing the wrong thing. Fear around being criticised and judged. Fear of embarrassing yourself fear of failure, fear of success. There's so many, you know, the number of times people talk about being fearful that they're going to get swamped if they do any marketing. Uh, you know, there's so many, so many fears that underpin what we do and we don't talk about that stuff enough. We don't talk about um, that we all share those fears. Now, some of us get better at overriding them. Uh, I will yeah. often talk to my clients about that, you know, that I of course I have all the same fears and every now and then they get triggered. Um, but I'm more skilled now than I used to be at recognising them. So they don't grab me in the same way as they used to. They don't grab hold of my ankle for as long as they used to. And I can shake them off pretty quickly. Yeah. Hmm. And that's really what stops most people from marketing is fear. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I can attest that it will get easier. Like, yeah. just like explained now, it's exactly, it was exactly the same for me. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. Um, and, and you get out of that, that place of fear much more easily. Because every yep. now and then you still drop into it, right? And it's about yep. catching yourself, you drop into fear and going, okay, this is what's happening right now. I need to yeah. step out of this and step into trust um, and then act from there. Because yep. acting from trust is... Yeah. so much lighter than acting from fear because that's yeah. a very heavy place to work from. This is true. And I think it's true in pretty much anything when you think about it. Mm. Mm. You know, it goes all right through, you know, anxiety, worrying about something that hasn't happened yet, all of that stuff. Just trust mm. that you'll deal with it if it happens. Don't worry about mm. it if it hasn't happened yet. Um, and even when things have blown up in my face, um, you know, it's been a, a series of lessons in what I can tolerate, what I can problem solve, um, learning new solutions to things and so on and so on. So, you know, the fear isn't worth your business. Yeah. It's not worth sacrificing your business. That's yeah. a great line. <laughs> I'm going to write that. that down. I should write that yeah. down. Canva post. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. And speaking of marketing, you know, people say, well, how do you do all the stuff? So, you know, there are lots and lots of clever ways to get lots of messaging out without driving yourself nuts or driving yourself to exhaustion and burnout. Um, you know, recently I've been, we've, I've got a virtual assistant now who helps me and, um, People say, oh, I need a team or I don't need a team. I have a virtual assistant, you know, pay her casual hours. And, um, you know, she makes sure that there are three posts a day. There's just a photo with some quotes and all the quotes come from things that have come out of my mouth. 
and uh, you know she puts those together for me and posts those every day so that makes it easier for me to focus on the stuff that I'm doing which is talking to people and communicating my message and helping my clients like, like you do yeah. hmm. sharing the message sharing the love <laughs> and that's the thing I love I love talking about what I do and I love working with my clients um you know i've always loved working with my therapy clients and um you know i i feel with my mentoring clients it's you know it's my it's it's this new not new but this um what's the word i'm looking for i've lost all my words today i'm a bit talked out i've had some clients this morning some therapy clients this morning but it is like it's a it's an invigorating energizing that's the word um, energizing work that I do and I really really enjoy it and so the opportunity to talk about it regularly like I do on social media and wherever else you know half the time you know the the videos that I do on social media are inspired by conversations I've had that day or the day before with with someone oftentimes it's if especially if it's a Tuesday when I've had mentoring clients all day there'll have been themes that have run across the course of the day. And so I'll pick up on that theme and maybe touch on that theme a few times over the course of the next week. Um, and I love that. I love being able to break down people's fears and, and sort of boil them down to their bare bones and then share them with an audience so that they can connect with that and perhaps find a solution yeah. themselves. Of course, the fact of the matter is if you had one mentoring client with a specific problem, there's a guarantee that there's another 100, 200, that shares the exact same problem, right? So being able That's to connect right. the stuff that you share with stuff that you know is happening on the ground is a great yep. opportunity. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, it is, it's important. It's important. Okay. Well, that was good. I think we've solved that one. We certainly did. Tick that one off the list. We like Tick. solving one problem at a time. Tick. Done. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, if people that are listening and even watching on Facebook have any tricky topics that you would like us to discuss, oh yes, our opinion That's on true, because we are opinionated. We'll have an opinion. You can you can guarantee that. <laughs> Most certainly, we'll have an opinion, and we'll be happy to share it. So please feel free to send it in to us. <laughs> I'm just seeing if we've actually got any comments. I don't think we have. Um, no, I can't that. find him. Let's see. I can't see any. No, everyone's busy. Everyone is exhausted. It is the week before Christmas. Everyone's exhausted. They're wrapping up. They're having their Christmas party or they're seeing their final clients or they're panicking like I am. I uh, had... Uh, <laughs> I was, I was, uh, this is, this is where pride comes before a fall. I was so organized for Christmas. I had a, a Maya um, online shopping cart open and I'm just, you know, adding things to it each night, looking and adding new things to this shopping cart. I was so clever. I was going to get it all done in one fell swoop and I wouldn't have to lift a finger. It would all be delivered to me. Um, and they were still saying, you know, next day delivery in metropolitan areas. Like I have got this nailed yeah. so I open up my shopping cart this morning now they can't deliver until the 27th of December oops no oh, <laughs> and I've got I've got nothing I've got nothing well 
we just roll with the punches, right? We do. We will create a solution and it will be grand. It will be just grand. No. Well, we're going to, uh, oh, we were going to mention Elevate. Oh, yeah. While we were talking about marketing, we should mention Elevate. Mm. Mm. Well, is that where Mention I- it. <laughs> <laughs> so as you guys may or may not know, Elevate 2020 is happening uh, next year. So I'm the organizer and uh, the lovely Tess is one of our main speakers at the event. Um, and that was a fabulous opportunity to elevate your marketing, elevate your branding, elevate basically every little nook and cranny of your practice. That's what the whole weekend is, not weekend, it's in the week, week uh, or two days in the week is going to be all about. It's on 29 and 30 July 2020. It is going to be absolutely mind-blowing in terms of the content and the experience. It's not going to yeah. be like any other conference you have been to. Take my word for it. And you- <laughs> I know it won't be like anything. <laughs> We're going to have amazing speakers like Tess that's going to be mm. there sharing very actionable, uh, practical stuff in terms of mindset strategies and also tactics in terms of practical things like marketing, um, you know, having the foundations and the structure and the frameworks in your business, which is your practice, of course, but also working on the mindset to get you to elevate you to a place of freedom and choice where you can have a greater impact. So I hope you are excited about Elevate Tests. I'm so excited. I am actually really, really excited. Um, Why wouldn't I be? Um, Because I, you know, I love working alongside you. I love talking to people about their business and I love the whole thing. So I think it's going to be so much fun. And of course, there are so many people who I now know who are going to be there. So it's going to be like a great big party. Yes. We last time checked, we had just over 40 tickets sold. Yep. Really like a big party. Uh, we, we still have quite a number available, but they most certainly will sell out. So if you do want to yep. uh, come along, you really should. If you are a practice owner, whether you are a solo practice owner or a group practice owner, it will be relevant to everybody mm. on that journey of building yep. practice. And I would even say if you're interested in starting a practice, this would be an amazing event to yep. really I think so. Getting to learn everything you need to know beforehand, right? And, and yep. It's just going to fast track your growth uh, with your business. Um, Just check out the website at elevate2020.com.au and get your tickets as soon as possible. Go do that. Go do that. (laughs) (laughs) And meanwhile, I've got some mentoring bundles that I put together as little Christmas presents. Um, I've found across the course of the past year that a couple of my programs people like to do back to back. And I thought, well, I might just... I haven't revised my pricing structures, which I'm in the process of doing um, for 2020. So while they're still at 2019 prices, I've bundled them together and there's a little bit of a discount. So they're only available Christmas Day. So you need to message me or you need to look at the little PS on all my posts, which has got the links to all the four bundles. There's one that's got midwinter retreat. There's only two of those left, so people better get. Midwinter retreat is almost sold out. That's the one I attended. Yes, yes. That's where the cheeky photo for this podcast um, artwork comes from. Was that first midwinter retreat? Yes. It's very special indeed. 
Um, so that bundle's got midwinter retreat and no quarter, which is 90 days of mentoring, plus fire starters, which is 30 days, like a sprint program. Uh, and then I've got a couple of others, which is one one's an individual six-session one-to-one bundle, and there's a couple of others. You have to check them out. But you won't find them on my website because they're super special. So you have to check out my Facebook page or message me and, you'll, and I'll let you know all about them. Yes. There you go. Lots of fun. So we're both up to mischief, really, at the moment. Yes. Pre-Christmas mischief, which is always the best. All right. Well, we're going to end this podcast episode and then we're going to end the Facebook chit-chat behind the scenes. And then we might even talk some more because we can. Yes. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> All right. Now we will. Hang on. I can't turn this off without my cursor. There we go. <laughs>